If you want the thrill of love, I've been through the mill of love. Old love, new love, every love. love Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York-based jazz singer Lizzie Thomas. We get into her career-defining fifth album called Duo Encounters. On this project, she digs deep into lyrics and uplifts each song with her own signature approach. Turning away from the conventional, these interpretations of carefully curated tunes are both adventurous and fun. She was born in Pittsburgh, grew up in Dalton, Georgia, where her interest in music began at eight with the study of classical piano and clarinet. The big turning point occurred when she was 18 and heard Billie Holiday for the first time. We get into this and so much more. Enjoy the story. Yeah, hi, Lizzie. Hey, Joe. It's great to meet you, Lizzie. Thank you for reaching out. I'm so glad that you dig the post that I'm putting up and that you're willing to talk. It's great, too. I I really enjoyed the album, so I'm glad that you reached out. Absolutely, my pleasure. I'm glad to hear you enjoyed the album. Yeah, it's wonderful. So before we get into the album, I think for the world, especially of artists, to see the calendar, say March 14th right now, has to bring some level of PTSD back. Um, So (laughs) three years ago, the world stopped on a dime, and I'm curious, how did you survive that COVID? How did you survive the COVID period? And how has how have you changed doing things? and approaching music now that we're coming out of it in 2023? You know, honestly, Duo Encounters um, was really birthed on the the tail end of coming out of COVID. I was in New York City. I was in a really terrible lockdown. We did not leave the our apartment. Um, we would dress up in like a spacesuit before we went out to grab some groceries at our nearest um, deli, not even a full grocery store, which was challenging at that um so yes it's um really great to be releasing this album on March 24th and you know it really is the um result of that moment when we were coming out of lockdown in New York City and I could enter into the same room with one other musician and I called my pianist up John I said hey let's get together I got to sing he was like yes sounds awesome I haven't played you know we hadn't played in months And so we got together, and it was just this really magical time. It was intimate. It was emotional. It was thrilling. It was exciting. And I really wanted to bottle up that, that we were experiencing right there. And that's really what I did with Duo Encounters. You know, it is quite rare to have 12 different instrumentalists on one album. We do one song apiece. And I wanted to play with as many as I could and also just wanted to capture that feeling of the duet, that musical conversation, um, having it with as many, as many of the amazing musicians that I'm working with on this album. Um, so I have to say that yes, it, it, it really is a result of this COVID lockdown. I'm happy to be releasing it to the world and sharing it. Um, it's, it's a moment in time and I hope that everyone really um, it's quite adventurous, and I hope everyone gets uh, gets to connect with 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 the songs. You know, from my end of things, behind the microphone here, it was interesting because there was a lot of albums that still came out, you know, during March of 2020, just because no one knew what was happening. So mm-hmm. to see that there's a there's an extra level of vigor, and to hear all of these stories of albums coming out, I'm curious. 
how have the things obviously we all change through this i mean the world's a different place but how did you change you know prior to the pandemic and now did you go through any kind of marketed change or, or did, is it kind of the way it was before i would say that um there was a deepening it was definitely um more levels and layers as a an artist as a musician um i approach songs um in a way that i didn't before um just meaning that i really spend honestly i spend a lot more time with with a tune um i work with a lot of different types of musicians um and i didn't necessarily do that pre covid um i am still very loyal um but i like to um work with different you know work with different people um and i think that keeps you really on your edge it keeps you um not in a state of just being comfortable um i like to be adventurous i like that feeling of oh my gosh we've never played together where is this going to go um so i think it's definitely i i've grown up as an artist and as a woman in the industry and as a as a human um i think you know when you experience something like that there is a level of um one you, you have a couple of choices do you escape and run or do you really dig in deep and decide you're going to um take it all so i i think so, i did the latter of the two yeah i would yeah absolutely so how did the girl that was born in pittsburgh grows up in georgia and now is singing in new york city How did all of that happen? <laughs> I'm still kind of amazed honestly when I look at um who I'm working with and I'm like, "Wow, I I don't know how this happened." Um there's been a lot of time involved. Um you know, I did go to music school at Belmont in Nashville, Tennessee. Um it's a love of music. It's a love of um study. It's a um a love of connecting and um wanting to be a better person honestly that's i know that's a short answer to that but you know that really is the answer um i'm always trying to be the best version of myself and music is a passion and uh, wanting to work with the best that's what led me to new york city so ultimately the nexus though was billy holiday explain to me what she did for you and how that still resonates with you today You know, I think as as we all know Billy had a really um tragic story um and she had disability of putting her emotions into her music. Um she never stopped, she never gave up, she kept going. Um and there was a lot of a lot of reasons why she could have uh stopped. Um so I think, you know, it was I was around 18 years old when I first heard Billy Holiday and I was really touched. I was moved. I was um I I I didn't understand that. Uh, I didn't understand her voice. You know, I I I was kind of went into this obsessive place of like why does she sing this way? How does she sing this way? What experiences in her life? And so I tried to read as many biographies. I tried to really understand like where she was coming from. Um It was at that point that I I told I I had a talk with myself and I said, you know, I really want to only listen to her 
um, for the next year as far as a jazz vocalist. Sure, I listen to other music, but as far as like studying, I really listened to Billie Holiday in a concentrated sense for about a year. Um, and she really taught me, you know, not to sing anything that I didn't feel, not to sing anything that I didn't have relationship with. And I still stay true to that. You know, there's a lot of songs that are presented to me and, and some I take and some I leave and they're really held up against that, um, that measure. Can I relate to it? Do I feel this? Can I experience this song? And do I have something, um, to bring to the table when, when I perform it, when I, um, when I communicate it through song? She's still, you know, I still listen to Billy, and she's still one of my biggest influences, honestly. Sometimes when you're in this world, I would imagine, of, you know, kind of music and showbiz, it's probably sometimes it's hard to separate being a fan from being a professional. And, and this, is what, this is where I'm going with this. When you finally <laughs> got to New York, what stage did you get on where you would be speckled and totally taken by if you couldn't believe what was happening? Uh, I would say Birdland. That was my stage where I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! Um, I'm I'm here. I've arrived." Uh, that would that would be probably that moment in time. Um, one of my favorite stages, I will I will man- mention, was not a stage at all. Um, it was down in Soho. It was at this little tiny. Um, Parisian cafe called Oscar. It was on MacDougall Street in between like Prince and Houston. And I loved singing there because I didn't have to use a microphone. It was so tiny and small. And stand-up bass player, guitarist, and I would huddle in this little corner. And it just, it was one of those experiences like it doesn't happen at all anymore. This was like when I first moved to New York and I was trying to meet people and get in you know, just get in the scene and I would sit in and sing um, at this place and it was just one of those fond memories I have. Actually, my first album, the uh, the photo shoot was done in that, um, my album, More Than You Know, it was actually done in that cafe, all the photos, which is a fun memory. So of all the facets that go into you being a musician and a singer, you know, from recording to performing to all of the things, marketing, promoting. What is it that you like the best out of this process? What what really motivates and drives you as a musician? I would say learning songs and rehearsals. <laughs> um, I, I love the process of choosing songs, um, doing set lists, and then showing up at rehearsals and going through all the tunes because it's a really... Um, relaxed atmosphere and I get to make music with my you know with my friends with my musicians like icons that's the preparation for a show I mean yes I love a show I love the feeling of being able to present the music that is very true um, and deep to me um, being able to communicate that and also make people feel good you know there's a lot there's a level of just pure entertain entertainment that um, I love um, when it comes to a show. But I would say really creating music with my friends um, is the the most special part of the process, whether on stage or preparing for a show in a rehearsal, honestly. 
So you've, you've probably, you've been down a lot of paths and you've, you've probably overcome a lot in your life, you know, coming from your beginnings in Pittsburgh to New York City now. And I'm curious, if you had a dream tonight and you could run into a younger version of yourself and give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained and the roads you've been down so far in life, what would you tell that young version pre-New York? I guess I would look at... I would look at her first and just give her a hug and say, stay true to your dreams. You are going to be okay. Everything's going to be wonderful and it's going to be beyond your wildest imagination. Um, but, but know that you're not alone and keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Keep diving in. Yes, yes, yes. So I typically ask musicians if you could get into a time machine and go back in time and see any show in the history of jazz, <laughs> where would you go? I want you to answer that, but I also want to ask about right now, what performer in the realm of jazz have you not seen that you would love to catch live? Okay, time machine. I would want to go back to any Carmen McRae live show. Any of them. I mean, she, one of the beauties of Carmen is, yes, her recordings are beautiful and, and you really get to capture her spirit and her, um, demeanor in her recordings. But her live shows, she is such a boss and she is so in control and completely at ease all at the same time. I would love to hear her in any of her great, um, working with her great band. Um, and also I'd love to hear her behind the piano as well. Cause she did some really, really beautiful, tasty um, piano voicings. And um, she really accompanied herself in a way that no one else could. So that would be my time machine. I'd see Carmen. Um, who I haven't seen on the scene today. Um, I love Latin jazz, so I'd have to say I, I look forward to the moment I get to see Gonzalo Rubacaba and I am in uh, Novola. I think that's how you say your name. Um, they're really thrilling to me. I would also say I've seen a lot. <laughs> I, I have the pleasure of living in New York, so I've seen a lot of really amazing shows. And, um, you know, anytime I get to see Russell Malone, I go see him anytime I see Ron Carter, you know, I'm there. I've really fallen in love with um, Bill Charlap lately, just seeing him at um, Birdland. That's always such a delight. Um, I could go on and on, but I'll stop. Yeah, no, that's great. I love Bill's music. He's such a cool guy, too. Like, Yeah. Yeah, he's a cool cat, definitely. Definitely. Um, so why do you love jazz? Ooh, I love jazz because it is never ending. It is absolute pure improvisation. Um, you can, there are so many levels or stages or ways that you could approach jazz that are all very satisfying and appealing. Um, I, I just think that it's a lifetime, it's, it's a lifetime obsession. It's a lifetime of, of music 
And you can really, as a person, you can really challenge yourself to always be better, always dig deeper, always expand more fully. Uh, it's never ending. That really is the word uh, for jazz, and I. Uh, that's that's why I just keep digging. You know, it's interesting. I don't think I've ever said this before, but I'm getting ready in April to go on 12 years of Neon Jazz. My 800th show will come around mid-April. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. And I have always tried really hard to get as many first-time musicians as I can. It's always a goal of mine. I research it. I make sure that I'm looking into it. If I have them on before, and I go through all of it, and I always have repeats. I mean, there are people release albums. I'll have you on multiple times because you'll have another album. It happens all the time. But I have Mm -hmm. always strove to get as many people on my show as I can, and I'm amazed at how many people I still discover. And not just from right now, but from like the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, yeah. I mean, any decade. It's just like this infinite, like looking into space, because there's no wall. It just infinitely goes with star after star. And that's it. You're right. It's infinite. It's, it, that's the beauty of this craft. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so everyone out there has a perception of you. Your family, your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you live your life. You're in control of everything. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am or who do I strive to be or both? Uh, We can make a combo for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I I definitely think that I'm a very curious person. I think um, curiosity is something that um, I strive to be, but also I, I believe that I am. And when you're a curious person, um, you never stop learning. I love learning new things, learning new hobbies, meeting new people. Um, and another thing that um, I really enjoy, which is not typical, and I think this taps into the why I'm a performer, why I'm an entertainer, is I love to be uncomfortable, um, I, I love to experience things for the first time. I love to like throw myself out. Um, and I think that uh, when you listen to my music and when you meet me and when you come to a show, you experience that aspect of myself. I try to stay with my curiosity. I also try to stay really humble. Um, I am a very confident woman. And so I think sometimes when people meet me, they they mistake my confidence for um, not being approachable or not being um, humble or willing to learn. Um, and I'm definitely not that. I am someone who is really curious and I want to learn and I... I believe in, you know, the things I um, strongly believe in, and music is one of them, and preserving the American songbook. um, And that's something I strive for as well, to be a voice uh, that preserves, but also stretches and maintains um, what is it like to be a woman? What is it like to work predominantly with men in this predominantly male industry? How do I stay... um, respecting other people and them respecting me. 
I mean, these are all things that I think about that I strive to be um, a really professional, respected, and respectful woman in this industry. Um, and it's, again, predominantly a man's world, um, but I work, I try to work with as many female musicians as I can. So that was, maybe I elaborated too much on that, but you got no, a little... that's wonderful. Lizzie, thank you for opening up, and before we get out of the proverbial door here, the digital door, I want to make <laughs> sure that everyone, everyone knows where to pick up the brand new album, to catch you live, anything related to your world, where do they go? Sure. Um, my website, my name, my stage name is Lizzie, Lizzie Thomas, and my website is Lizzie the Jazz Singer. All my social handles, you can either get to me by Lizzie Thomas or Lizzie the Jazz Singer. Uh, Duo Encounters is being released on March 24th um, on Dot Time Records, and I have a newly, newly announced album release show at the iconic Cotton Club on April 28th in Harlem, New York City. Um, I'm also visiting my friends in Nashville for an album release show, and that is at the Nashville Jazz Workshop on April 22nd. And more dates to follow, but everything's on my website, Lizzie the Jazz Singer. Well, I will tell you, we started kind of at the alpha of this talking about the calendar being March 14th, but I can't tell you how wonderful it is for me to be able to be talking to musicians that are exuberant about live days. It just feels really good that you all are back in your native habitat doing what you do <laughs> yeah. and making the people happy. So thank you for reaching out, opening up, giving me some of your time in your world. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest voices and singers in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Lizzie for her time, music, and energy. You can find Neon Jazz Archive interviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe to us at YouTube. For everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.